Hey, good morning. Welcome once again to Trinity. I want to say a special welcome to all of our friends and family that are uh, tuning in from home or maybe you're still out visiting your family somewhere. Glad to have you worshiping with us this morning. I want you to think for a moment, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, if you think about who would be a really great preacher. Think about one of the best preachers. I don't know who you might think of, Billy Graham or T.D. Jakes or Maybe we take a little closer home here to Georgia. We might say Barbara Brown Taylor or Martin Luther King Jr., um, Charles Stanley, right? Some great preachers come out of Georgia. What do all these great preachers have in common? Well, there's a lot, I'm sure. But one thing they have in common is that they all first sermon somewhere in some church. Think about it. Some church made space for them to try their voice out. Some church made space for them to try their gifting out. A big part of my ministry, and my wife has been for the last several years, is giving folks space to try their first sermon out. Uh, we think that, hey, we're coming in and out, in and out. Well, we got sister coming. She's going to need the uh, handheld. Um, sorry, guys. Don't you love technical difficulties here? It just makes us wait for the Lord even more. It's good. It's adventy. Um, what are we talking about? What I was trying to say is we believe not only, I, we think preaching is incredibly important, and not only does a preacher make a parish, but we believe the parish makes a preacher. And so we want to create space for the next generation of preachers to, to, to just test out their gifts uh, in the house of the Lord. And so this morning, I'm going to invite up my friend, uh, Katie Wilson, comes to us from the West Side, so she's a fellow there. If you don't know this, so our mother church, the uh, Trinity West Side, has a fellows program where it's kind of a space for folks to get training for ministry, a chance to kind of work at a, at a church and test it out. And my office is right across from Katie, so I get to see her smiling face every day when I'm in the office. And uh, she's also attending the seminary where Jana and I were trained for their seminary. So I said, Katie, we would love to have a chance to hear you preach and to share the word with us. So Katie, would you come and bless us? Can we have a hand for Katie? I'm from the Pentecostal church, guys. We clap, we amen. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, John. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into this place. Jesus, thank you that we get to celebrate Advent together. Thank you that you are the Lord who has come and will come again. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So like John said, my name is Katie Wilson, and I feel particularly thankful to get to be with you here on this day, the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season in the church calendar that begins four Sundays before Christmas. And surprisingly enough, we are four Sundays before Christmas. And some of you have been observing the season of Advent for a long time. You're very familiar with this season. But some of you might be like me and are a little newer. Before I went to Trinity on the west side a couple years ago, my only connotation with Advent were those cardboard boxes that you like get a piece of candy every day, a little piece of chocolate and for December 1st through the 25th. And have you guys seen all the different Advent calendars they have now? They've like really improved from just chocolate. Like you can get an Advent calendar for cheese or wine, scotch even. They have advent calendars for dogs. 
like a little treat each day. You know, your dog's really excited for Christmas coming up. Uh, but my favorite one I've seen that really makes me laugh is they have these mini fruit spreads, like jam and jelly. So you can put, I guess, a new jelly on your toast each day before Christmas. I don't know. Maybe you're into that thing. Uh, and those are really fun. I, I think that's great. But what we know is that Advent means a lot more than just a daily treat in anticipation of Christmas. Because that sort of mindset prepares us to think that Christmas is just a day of more treats, more gifts. Advent is so much more than that. The word Advent literally means coming in the Latin. And this is a season that as the church, we prepare for the coming of Jesus. We prepare for Christmas by together we wait, we pause. We anticipate that Jesus is coming. And Advent has been such a gift to me because as we all know, Christmas is a frenzy whirlwind that before we know it, it's come and gone and we're left wondering how did that happen? So Advent has been a gift to me to slow down and wait. But like I said, I'm newer to Advent, so I was a little surprised when I started preparing for the sermon. I read the gospel, and I was like, surely we'll have John the Baptist, maybe Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary and Joseph. But instead I read, and we have when this, uh, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on earth distress among the nations. Not what I thought I would be preaching on the first Sunday of Advent. But again, if you're familiar with Advent, this text was no surprise to you. This was not an accident that made its way into the lectionary or my choice that I chose for today. Our gospel reading today is about the second coming of Jesus. And the gospel reading every Advent, the first Sunday, is about the second coming of Jesus which this is interesting to me, and I think particularly insightful for us. Because perhaps in order to walk through this life, our life now with hope, to be able to stand up when there's so much that weighs us down, we have to be able to look back that Jesus came in that tiny town of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. But we also have to look forward that Jesus will come again and we can trust that Jesus will come again because he's already come. So today, we see that that word Advent, meaning coming, is about Jesus' first coming and second. So today, we have no manger scenes or angels. We have signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. So let's jump in. If you look at our passage, there's a lot of things we could talk about. But two things really stood out to me as I've been reading this over and over again. The first one is that Jesus will enter into the chaos to rule and to reign. Jesus will enter into the chaos to rule and to reign. And the second thing that really stood out to me is that we are to wait expectantly for Jesus so that we can stand up when we're weighed down. We are to wait expectantly for Jesus so that we can stand up when we're weighed down. For context, this passage is at the end of a longer discourse Jesus has been giving 
where prior to our passage, he's been talking pretty explicitly about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. But most biblical scholars think that in verse 25, Jesus pivots and transitions to talking about the end times. And the reason lots of scholars think that is because we do start getting this cosmic language of the sun and the moon, this worldwide language. And Jesus is using really intentional language and imagery here. The imagery is drawn from the Old Testament that's often using these cosmic terms for the end. And often in the Old Testament, this is called the day of the Lord, where there will be judgment, like in our call, it says, for both the living and the dead. All of creation is reacting to the coming of Jesus. If you were here last week, you heard John talk about how the sea for Jewish people represented chaos. And in our reading, we see this imagery that the world is in chaos. Nations are trembling with fear. And I know for me, sometimes when I start hearing this imagery, I kind of tune out because I don't know what to take literally, what's pointing to something else. It's like one of those passages you read and you're like, okay. (laughs) Uh, But what I want us to hear is that the whole world will react to the coming of Jesus. The coming redemption is not just for humanity, but for all things. And I love this idea that the sky lit up when Jesus was born. And the sky went dark when Jesus died on the cross. And so too, the world is gonna react to his coming. Chaos is raging. All of creation is waiting. You want to switch back? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, All creation is waiting. Then we see, if we keep reading, it says, The Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. John spent a lot of time last week talking about this term, Son of Man. And this is a phrase that comes from Daniel 7. And it is a term that Jesus pretty consistently uses to refer to himself in Luke's gospel. And if you remember, this is language of a ruler, somebody with great authority, with this all-encompassing power. Jesus, by using this language, is saying that he will come to fulfill his purpose, to rule and reign over all things. The kingdom of God began when Jesus born and lived his life and died on the cross and was resurrected. But we see in this passage that the kingdom of God will culminate, will come to fruition fully when Jesus returns. And it says, when people see the Son of Man coming in the middle of this chaos, Jesus says to those who follow him. Now when these things begin to take place, Stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And I love that verse. Stand up and raise your head, for your redemption is drawing near. And there's a pretty stark contrast to this response and what we see in verse 27, where people are fainting from fear. We see in the Bible that this coming day is a day of judgment. But as believers, 
You can stand with confidence, knowing that this is a day of good news. This is a day where all will be made right. So we see that Jesus enters into chaos to rule and to reign. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, yes, that's great. And I want that, and I long for that. But Katie, if you look around, all is not right. Things are not well. And I, I hear you. I'm, I'm right there with you. Because how do we have hope right now when darkness and evil and chaos seem so pervasive? We don't have the chaos described in this passage, but if we look around, our world is pretty chaotic. And I know my life often feels like there's plenty of chaos. So how do we see the hope of Christmas and the coming of Jesus when we're so weighed down with the present? And I think Jesus has something to say about that. Jesus tells us we are to be on guard and alert so that we are not weighed down. This idea of being on guard, being on alert, is a type of waiting, a type of watching, sort of this active waiting, a pregnant expectation that something is going to happen. And that's a theme of Advent, is this idea of waiting and believing that Jesus will come, that the kingdom of God is near. And I believe that Jesus is coming in this really ultimate sense. But also Jesus wants to come in our lives today. And I think it's this active waiting that looks like pushing back on the things that weigh us down so that we have room to stand up and raise our heads. I think it's this active pushing so we, of the things that weigh us down so we can stand and raise our heads. So what is it that weighs us down? Jesus names some things when he says, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. Which these feel pretty relevant. Dissipation is this tendency to self-indulge, to put myself first above all else. And this weighs our hearts down because we weren't meant to live just for ourselves. And then drunkenness, this tendency to numb out, to disengage. And we do this through so many ways, whether that's drinking alcohol or just being glued to our phones at all times, just tuning out anything and everything around us. Or maybe just the glazed over Netflix binging that takes up all of our time. We're pretty good at making ourselves numb. And then Jesus says the worries of life which it feels like we have no shortage of worries in this life. For some of us, it's the frenzy of this season where we have to get all of our presents and if it couldn't get more frenzied, the supply chain issue, to where lots of us here feel behind on Christmas shopping and it's not even December 1st. Or maybe for some of us, the worries of this life just look like this underlying anxiety that there's so much to do so little time, we're running on fumes, trying to hold it all together. For others, maybe a family member is sick, or you're approaching a holiday 
for the first time without one of your loved ones. Or stress about your job, your family. And it can just be a lonely season. And then on top of all that, as if we couldn't have enough weights, we're all carrying the weight of this pandemic, of the political division and racial unrest. We're all longing for this hope and a joy and peace, but it can be so easy to be weighed down. So then what does it look like to be on guard, to be alert and awake, to hope? I think it looks like pushing back on these things that weigh us down. And maybe to push back on dissipation, it looks like finding ways to serve and to love others in this season. Maybe to push back on drunkenness, it's the choice to be present, to put the phone away, to engage with our friends and family, to believe that spending time with your people is more important than the gifts you'll give them. And maybe for the worries of this life, it's taking a stand to slow down in a world that's telling you to move faster and faster and faster. Maybe it looks like doing an Advent devotional, taking time each morning to pause before the day begins. Maybe it's to get an Advent wreath and light candles to mark time. Or even taking the time to listen to songs like we sang today. It was so good for my soul to sing those songs, to remember the season we're stepping into. And whatever that pushing back looks like for you, it's more than this naive optimism or being countercultural for the sake of being countercultural. We push back on that which weighs us down so that we can see Jesus, so that we can stand up and raise our heads and see that redemption is coming. At the end of our verse, we see Jesus telling us to do these things that we may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is coming in the real ultimate sense, but also in the smallness of our daily lives. He comes in our waiting. He comes when we push back that which weighs us down so that we can see him more clearly this season. We wait expectantly that he will come to us in new ways. We'll spend the next few weeks looking back to that Jesus came, looking back to the birth narrative. But I think there's a gift in this first Sunday to be able to look forward, to be able to look to the hope that Jesus is coming in order to rule and reign. And in Advent, we remember that we live in the in-between where we have the ability to hope, to stand up, because we serve a God who came. We serve a Jesus who will come. And that same God is Emmanuel, God with us. We are waiting and longing for the world to be made right, but we're not waiting alone. Jesus, Emmanuel, is with us. And so as we start this Advent season, day one, guys, we can have a plan. We can decide what it's going to look like 
to prepare for this season? And I have three questions that I think could help us reflect on that. The first one is, what is weighing on you right now? What are those things that feel really heavy and weighing you down? The second one is, how can you push back on this? And then the third is, how might Jesus be wanting to come to you in this season? Because he does want to come. He wants to come to you, to each of us. And may our hearts echo the words of that hymn we sang today. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen.